you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. Hi, I'm Ken Blanchard, and this week I'm going to talk about the $10 Gun Club, why you should think differently about politics and guns, gun rights organizations. I'm going to invite you to join the MarylandShoutIssue.org group here in Maryland, and Crossbreed Holsters has a 10-year anniversary. All this and a little bit more coming up next. Boom, 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 boom. It's the Black Man with the Gun Show. Pro-Gun Podcast, and I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. Hey, where you been? It's so good to talk to you again. Thank you for being here. I'm hoping that what I say today makes you move just a little bit. It's one big rant, actually. Yeah, it is. After John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance... I'm going to talk about politics and gun control and why if you're a person of color, you better get your butt in gear. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice If you didn't grow up around guns, you weren't in the military, you weren't in law enforcement, but you decide now that the right to keep and bear arms is a good idea, and you buy your first firearm, you get some training, the next thing that happens to you is you get introduced into the politics of gun control. It might have come in before that, actually. Gun politics or gun rights is evergreen. It's been going on since the invention of gunpowder. I've been involved in it since 1992. I've learned a lot. I'm going to share some of those observations with you right now. Politics from the Greek word of, for, or relating to citizens is the practice and theory of influencing other people. It's always been about power. Politics is really about achieving and exercising positions of governance, organized control over some community, particularly a state. Some people love politics. As for me, and most of the people in my community, we do not. Back in the day when respect and people would say different things and say, you don't talk about sex, politics, or religion in mixed company. Now, everything's mixed, I guess, or nobody cares about that. So politics comes up a lot. People really talk about politics in two different ways. There's the formal politics, public policy and foreign affairs, war and Congress and all that, and the senators and the local politics. But there's informal politics that I didn't really realize exists. And once you realize it, you'll say, oh, yeah. That's everything. How an office or household is run, how one person or a group exercises influence over others, it's all everyday politics. Politics is actually everywhere. It's in the church, it's in the school, it's in anywhere there are people. So for a person like me who was adverse to politics, I had to get into it. I had to learn about it. I still didn't like it. Politics today is self-serving to me. It's never about 
a group of people or one person who's going to make a difference and actually help anybody. It's always that person that gets in charge, gets elected, and they help themselves. And then they lie and say things that people want to hear, i.e. politically correct, that people just turn a blind eye, know that they're lying, know that they can't help them, but they listen anyway. And they vote on that stuff. Prior to the Gun Control Act of 1968, gun politics was pretty much not a big deal. It existed still within gun control rules, but it was always against a group. It wasn't equal. It was against one group, and if you're just affecting one group, then that's fine. Nobody cares. We'll just dog the Negroes. We'll just dog the Chinese. We'll just abuse the Italians. As long as it's just a group, Native Americans, as long as it's just a group, Hispanic people, as long as it's just a group and it doesn't affect the rest of us, then who cares? That is the origin of our gun control and our gun politics in the U.S. But after 1968, the National Rifle Association decided to join, or not join, but to create the Institute for Legislative Action, ILA. And that's when everything changed. There was a lot of promotion of, well, we need your money because politics is money and there's lawyers and there's fees and we have to do lobbying and we have to pay people off and all that stuff. So it became a political thing because that's just how business is done here in nation's capital, here in your capital, no matter where you are in America. It costs money to be in politics. What does it have to do with you? Hey, I'm so glad you asked. Well, as soon as you become a part of the gun community, then the politics in the United States affect you. Gun rights affect you. You have to slowly figure out who's telling you the truth, who's helping you, and who's not doing anything but flapping their gums. There are quite a few groups out here who are pro-gun, but not helping you. There are quite a few groups that are pro-gun that need your help that you're not helping. I'm going to talk about that, too. You know about the National Rifle Association. You know they're about hunting and shooting and preserving the Second Amendment. And then there's that group called the National Rifle Association slash Institute for Legislative Action, which is probably almost bigger or more powerful that affects elections, that affects state legislatures, that affects where you live. There are reps in regions. There are people who are actively trying to change the face of gun rights for us all. But I have learned that Isla is not omniscient. They're not perfect. That they sometimes err in their judgment. They sometimes do things which are counterproductive. They sometimes do things that make us little gun owners go, WTF? Am I right about it? For those who've been around a long a while, you know. And then there are other groups that will jump on that bandwagon and say, see what they did? Work with us. Give us your money. We're doing this. We are the no compromise MFers. I'm just a cussing up a storm, man. Because I've seen this over time. And there's some that don't say anything. And they're suing people and they're doing everything in the courts or they're doing it in educational systems. They're doing it different ways. And you don't hear anybody fanfare and stuff gets done and other people get their credit for it. You will see all of that in the gun community. Now, I named the National Rifle Association. There's also the Arizona Citizens Defense League. There's Florida Carry. There's Georgia Carry. There's Grassroots of North Carolina. There's the Gun Owners of America. 
There's the Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. There's the Law Enforcement Alliance of America. There's the Virginia Citizens Defense League. There's the Second Amendment Foundation. There's the Second Amendment Sisters. There's Students for Concealed Carry. Oh, yeah, we got the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. We got the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And probably about 10 more other ones like the Pink Pistols that exist. But I can't remember them all. The good thing is I've worked with most of them that I mentioned. The Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, Aaron Zellman and I were one of the first couple of people I talked to on the Internet. We used to have like really, really good conversations together. And he used to just dog me about not being aggressive enough, not being um, in folks' faces enough. And then when I became um, a part of Gun Owners of America, same thing. Man, you got to get in people's faces. You got to be more um, confrontational was the word that Larry used to tell me. But I got to be me. I've been a member of the Law Enforcement Alliance of America. I helped with H.R. 218 and a whole bunch of other good stuff. I've talked and spoke and motivated the Virginia Citizens Defense League, the Arizona Citizens Defense League, Georgia Carey. I've supported the Pink Pistols when it wasn't cool to have a rainbow flag float flying anywhere. And I don't even roll that way. But these are my brothers and sisters that get dogged a lot and need to arm themselves. And back in 1992, I created the 10th Cavalry Gun Club, a gun for African Americans to step up to the plate. And we did some training. We had some community events. We had a lot of fun stuff we did. And then we decided, you know, we should probably get in politics. And most of my crew said, nah, that's not how we roll. You can do it. We support you, but we don't want to be on camera. We don't want to be on none of that stuff. Just how the community was. And I learned that I wasn't a very good leader at the time. Had to grow into it. There was a whole bunch of stuff about keeping a group together I, I had no knowledge of. Thank God it didn't die. It grew to a chapter in New Jersey, a chapter in Chicago that didn't make it too long, a chapter in Baltimore, which survived. The Baltimore chapter blossomed and kind of rebirthed, made their own thing. Being pro-gun and black, man, you can't even say that in a sentence sometimes. But it has always existed. It just has been undercover brothers. Not wanting to be a part of politics. Well, guess what? The time for that is over. You have to be a part of the polit- political system. You have to be. And not only do you have to be a part of the political system, you are an ace in this system. You are a secret weapon in this system. The secret weapon is that they need to see your face in the place. This is the one place where being black is celebrated because you break a stereotype. You will cause people who are really racist, who want to take your firearms away from you, to backtrack, to shut up, to draw back like they've seen a ghost. Anybody that want to give you a gun is family. White, black, brown, pink, doesn't matter. Anybody trying to take one away from you is your enemy. You learn that in politics really quick. Just recently, I got a chance to speak to the Maryland Shout Issue organization. Maryland Shout Issue has been around for a minute, but they had some growing pains. They did some stuff that was wrong. They lost some money. They did some stuff that was mismanaged. It didn't get the word out. 
Well, I'm with them right now. Strong advocate for the new Maryland shall issue group. If you are part of the free state of the O-line state of the state of Maryland crabs, Chesapeake Bay, I need you at Maryland shall issue. I need you to go to that site right now, MarylandShallIssue.org, and join as a member. Strength in numbers. There are so many um, groups that have done so many great things for their city, for their state, and we are falling down. We keep waiting for somebody else to do it for us, and that time is over. There's a famous quote by Pastor Nymuller, I believe it is. He said, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. A couple of years ago, somebody broke this down and made it a little bit different. They said, first they came for the full autos and silencers, and I did not speak out because I did not own full autos or silencers. Then they banned trading guns across state lines, and I did not speak up because I bought my guns in state. Then they banned guns in school, and I did not speak up because I homeschooled my children. Then they came for the semi-automatic rifles with cosmetic features, and I did not speak out because I don't have any semi-automatic rifles with two cosmetic features. Then they came for the semi-automatic rifles with one cosmetic feature, and I did not speak up because I did not have any semi-automatic rifles with one cosmetic feature. Then they came for the pump-action shotguns with pistol grips, and I did not speak out because I don't have any pump-action shotguns with pistol grips. Then they restricted ammunition magazines to 30 rounds. I did not speak out because none of my ammunition magazines were larger than 30 rounds. Then they created a de facto national gun registry guised as background checks, and I didn't speak up because I already bought my guns through licensed dealers. Then they came for all semi-automatic rifles, and I did not speak up because I didn't have any semi-automatic rifles. Then they came for the ammunition magazines, over 10 rounds, and I didn't speak up because none of my magazines were larger than 10 rounds. Then they came for the semi-automatic handguns, and I didn't speak up because I don't have any semi-automatic handguns. Then they came for the pump-action shotguns, and I didn't speak up because I don't have any pump-action shotguns. Then they came for the revolvers, and I didn't speak up because I didn't have any revolvers. Then they came for the bolt-action rifles, and I didn't speak up because I didn't have any bolt-action rifles. Then they came for the double-barreled shotguns and single-shot rifles, and there was no one left to defend them from government confiscation. Even though that was long, do you understand what it comes to? Sometimes we like to think, well, as long as it's not my backyard, I don't care. But guess what? In this world, your backyard is my backyard. Your problem will become my problem today. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Okay, maybe politics isn't a negative thing to you. Maybe you like it. Maybe you consider yourself a pundit. And if that's the case, then what I'm saying here is not for you. I'm talking to the person who has just got into firearms. Maybe they've been in it for a while, but they didn't think it merely mattered the political part. They want to keep those two things separate. You can talk politics all you want. Just let me go shoot my firearm. Let me go get my ammo at the, at the next um, range day or the next event that's at the uh, gun show. 
and I'll be fine. You just do you, I'll do me. Quite a few of us are like that. I'm trying to bring some of you guys together. I'm trying to bring some of the folks that are on the fence on this side of the fence. The fence side that says, as Benjamin Franklin once said, we must indeed all hang together or most assuredly we shall all hang separately. Now, I'm actually saying this as a guy who has been on the fence for a while. Or not really on the fence. Where, where have I been? I have been all over the country. Most of it has been self-funded. Every once in a while, I'll get a couple of, of you guys, actually, who actually will throw a couple of centavos, a couple of dollars my way to keep the lights on, to keep me be able to do stuff. But it's been scratching for 20-some years. Because once I got fired up, once I understood that unless I kept this thing going, it was not going anywhere, that I could inspire some people, that I could actually change the needle, I could push it to the forward, that one day nobody would care about a black man with a gun. It would just be an American gun owner. How pretty is that? How beautiful does that sound? And I can tell you, in my whole 25 years of doing this thing, the whole gamut, I've been from a militant to the libertarian to the Democrat trying to make something happen to a conservative now. Because I understand my point. I didn't know which side of the thing I was on. Politics made me do that. The gun argument made me do that. I didn't know that almost 99% of the gun control stuff was coming from the Democratic Party. From people who I thought were cool. I wasn't ready to accept that the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Color People, was one of the major people, one of the major groups trying to take my firearms from me. I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that the, the, the revered Reverend Jesse Jackson that was helping all the brothers out was anti-gun, and he was a major talking head against my right to keep and bear arms. I didn't understand why that could happen, and then it got worse with Reverend Al Sharpton. Hurt me that these leaders, so-called leaders, I had to learn. Remember, I started this thing in 1992. I wrote some articles for some columns that blow your mind. I had something published once in the final call. You check that out. See where that comes from. From a North Carolina paper. From another paper here in the nation's capital that no longer exists. I think I even had something in Essence Magazine once. When my first book came out, I had a few words with Oprah because I thought she was going to help me put that thing out on, the, on blast. But I got blasted. Oprah said this is not something that they wanted to publish or promote. So I've been anti-Oprah ever since. But I've been here. I've been doing this thing. I've broken bread. I've drank drinks. I've hung out with all the people that you see everywhere. The Wayne LaPierre's, the Alan Gottlieb's, the all everybody. And even that had some politics to it. I tried to help as many as I could. But the worst feeling in the world is to know that you were used and lied to by somebody you trusted. I've had my turn. Sometimes I regret being nice, apologizing when I didn't do anything wrong, and for making unworthy people a priority in my life. But I got over it all. And if I can confess some stuff to you, I got a little salty when there was a couple of newer people within the last five years get national attention. Their YouTube videos go viral. Uh, What else? What they write sticks. What they put down goes. Yeah, a little jealous monster there. But I'm over that too. 
and recently after a few setbacks, after some financial woes. I look in the mirror every day and smile because I'm still here. So I consider myself a gun rights activist. I learned there's no money in that either. No, you'll put out a lot of time. You'll go sometimes and testify or take off a day of work or go speak to a group that can't pay you to motivate them to keep them going. That's a gun rights activist. Because our rights are more important and it's more important and more of us get involved. I used to remind the members of the 10th Cavalry Gun Club of the old African Ashante proverb that said, none of us is as strong as all of us. See, the question isn't, who's going to let me? It's, who's going to stop me? And in my growing, I learned that it wasn't always about the white man. It wasn't always the man putting me down. It wasn't anything other than myself. It was always somebody who looked like me telling me about my freedom, telling me that, why you want to be a gun guy? Why you want to do that? They're killing the brothers. It was always a person who looked like me. I still hear every day how somebody thinks that the Gadsden flag or the flag with the rattlesnake on it, the Tea Party symbol, is connected to the Klan. There's quite a few people of color who think that anybody who's a part of the Tea Party is a racist. How that came about, I don't know. But I'm just telling you that for FYI. The perception is there. Anything to divide us, and especially on this gun thing, it has been used already. The wording, the use of media, all political. Black on black crime. Nobody says white on brown crime or white on white crime. Words, words are powerful. It's political. Gun violence. That's a crock. Guns don't commit violence. People do. We perpetuate some stuff, and we don't even know it. We're playing into the hands of it, but it's all a part of politics. You are involved in it as soon as you claim you are a gun owner. So you might as well get on stick. Get on deck. All right, let me change gears for a hot second. Just last weekend was the Second Amendment Foundation's 30th Annual Gun Rights Policy Conference. Now, usually a gun rights policy conference, a gun rights anything, is not as sexy as going to the range, not hanging out with your brothers and sisters and shooting. It's not as fun. It's, it's more on an intellectual note. It's a time of networking. It's a time of learning about what's going down in the country. A lot of talking heads, a lot of panels, a lot of discussion. You will learn about stuff that you had no clue about that was happening in your neighborhood, happening in your state, happening across the state. Wins, losses, things learned. Cases won. Cases that are coming. And that happened last weekend. 25th, 26th, and 27th of September. Usually happens the same three days every year. Next year, 2016, it will be in Tampa, Florida. I've gone to about four or five of them. I've had my ups and downs about it all. One of the things that always pops up is, what can we do to bring more African Americans, more people of color to this event? Let me break it down to you a different way. Gun rights are civil rights. 
isn't a black or a white thing. It's a right thing. It has always been about a race, a group, trying to separate us from being one. Somebody, white or black, has always been a divider, a disruptor, a detractor, a misfit, a troublemaker. Somebody who will try to keep us separate so we can't be strong. We will never be we the people if it's us and them. The people in the gun industry, the community, the national organizations, are trying very hard to make it we the people. There is power in having a multiracial, multi-diverse group of Americans assembling. When they can just say it's for the old white guys, we all lose. When it's just all the black people, then there are quite a few people who discount that too. Over the years, I've learned what I was. We all want the same things in life. We want freedom. We want a chance for prosperity. We want as few people suffering, suffering as free as possible. Healthy families. We want crime-free streets. And then the politics comes in. See, I still believe in personal responsibility. I believe in limited government. I believe in free markets. I believe in individual liberty. I believe in traditional American values and a strong national defense. I've seen the policy makers in action. I believe that the role of the government should be to provide people the freedom necessary to pursue their own goals, not do it for them. And it was through this gun rights thing that I learned where I stood on the other, other issues. Like gun control is racist. The Second Amendment gives citizens the right to keep and bear arms. Individuals have the right to defend themselves. There are too many gun control laws. Additional laws will never and have never lowered gun crime rates. What's needed is the enforcement of current laws. Gun control laws don't prevent criminals from getting guns. And more guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens means less crime. Yeah, it does. And you cannot legislate flawed human behavior. Now, if you are a person of color and you nodded your head to anything that I said, that's a conservative. We've got stuck on titles now. Republicans are supposed to be white, supposed to be Trump people. Let that go. I'm asking you to reassess how you live, how you think, how you've been manipulated into living and thinking. You are free. You can think any way you want. And if you do that, I bet you want to keep some of the stuff for yourself. You don't want anybody to take anything from you anymore. You don't want anybody to give you anything either. I like that phrase from James Brown. He says, I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Open up the door. I'll get it myself. That's pretty much a Republican statement. Truth be told. Politics, politics, nobody likes that stuff. I mean, it's, it's been used against us so much, so well. Before the assassinations during the civil rights era of King Kennedy's Malcolm X and so many others, they were all Republicans. We have believed the lies of the carpetbaggers. You know, the Southern Democrats that were also part of the Klan. The party of Bull Connor. Don't know who that is? Check your history. The people that didn't change but learned how to be politically but not ethically correct. 
We think black people can't be racist, but we can be. We got confused and lost our way. And as a result, nobody takes us serious. Some of us have become buffoons that would make our ancestors cry. Too many of us prefer entertainment to education. We celebrate ignorance when our ancestors died to get us the right to read. Sorry for this rant, but today it's the old white guys talking about abortion. And believe it or not, back in the 60s, there were some rappers that used to preach about birth control that was created to kill black children. That Planned Parenthood was against the black community. I want to peep you to a group called The Last Poets. Check them out when you get a chance. I want to give you 10 people from our history, black history, that were Republicans. Top of the list for me is Frederick Douglass, abolitionist, editor, orator, author, and statesman. After that, Eldridge Cleaver. Then James L. Farmer Jr., civil rights leader. Number four, Zora Neale Hurston, novelist, short story writer. Number five, James Weldon Johnson, first black manager of the National Association for the Advancement of Color People. He was the president of the Colored Republican Club. Martin Luther King Sr., yeah, father of civil rights leader, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Jackie Robinson, baseball player. He changed parties after the Goldwater nomination. Abolitionist speaker and suffrage advocate Sojourner Truth. Also, Harriet Tubman and Booker T. Washington, educator and activist. I know. I'm saying stuff that folks don't want to hear. But I got to tell you, it's important, this gun rights, this gun politics that is important to us, that we have to get back on top. And the only way we can do that is by choice. You got to choose right. You got to choose correctly. You got to make better decisions. And I'm advocating that you, my brother and my sister, become an active part of a gun rights group in your area. If you are in the Maryland area, my area, Prince George's County and Baltimore County, largest populations of Americans of African descent. If you are a gun owner anywhere around the state of Maryland, I need you to join MarylandShallIssue.org with me. Thanks. Being an armed citizen means having a gun with you all the time. Carrying a firearm every day requires a holster that is both concealable and comfortable. Whether you choose our Super Tuck Deluxe or Mini Tuck, you'll have the confidence that comes from being discreetly and comfortably armed, prepared to face unforeseen dangers. Crossbreed holsters are handmade in the USA, come with a lifetime warranty and a two-week try-it-free guarantee. Order your holster today at CrossbreedHolsters.com. All right, I want to talk about Crossbreed Holsters for a hot second. Please go to CrossbreedHolsters.com and purchase something. This is their 10-year anniversary. And they got some limited stuff that I'm hoping I can get something before it's gone. Ten years. Back when Facebook first started, my first two friends on Facebook, one was the late, great Chuck Brown, the go-go king here in D.C. Yeah, he's my Facebook friend. And my other one was Mark Craighead, CEO of Crossbreed Holsters. Mm-hmm. I've been with him almost that long. their family crossbreedholsters.com celebrating their 10th year in business Can't 
every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day. Hi, this is your friend and brother from another mother, and I got a new podcast that I want to invite you to check out. It's called The Ken Blanchard Show. Some days, you have to create your own sunshine. Inspiration, enthusiasm, classic Ken Blanchard. Positive, so positive you want to be a proton. For details, go to KenBlanchardShow.com. Hey, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Corey Smith. Corey stopped a bank robbery. He actually apprehended a bank robbery suspect in Georgia. He was in a bank, opening an account. Guy came in, robbed the bank. Corey saw him, ran out after him, caught him, and turned him over to Gwinnett Police. Now, Corey is an arson investigator with DeKalb County. So since he's a law enforcement officer and didn't kill anybody, it did make the news. But we want to give a shout out and a round of applause to his brother doing it. Thanks, Smitty. Appreciate it, man. And speaking of shout outs, I'm going to give a shout out to the National African American Gun Association. You can find them at NAAGA.co. They're based out of Georgia, but are opening chapters around the country. Trying to do some stuff that I was unable to do. And I'm proud of them for doing it. You'll hear more about them coming up soon. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been invited to become a part of a group called the $10 Gun Club. And I want you to be a part of it too. $10GunClub.com, 10DGC.com, or 1010GunClub.com is a new website, a new way to buy firearms using the collective buying power of the community. For $10, you join $10, just $10. You become a member of this club and you pay wholesale costs. Yeah. Check it out. $10gunclub.com. All right, before I let you go, I want to say thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with the Gun show. It's been a trying couple of weeks for me. The show itself has not been as regular as I want it to be. It's still been weekly. We've still been having it, but I've been going through. I'm working a job, which sometimes can hold me over mandatorily for eight more hours of a job. Um, And I've just been tired, physically beat. And I got a chance actually to preach a couple of times, and I've still got a couple on the schedule. I'm building a new business myself um, yet again as I wait for the... um, the radio show thing to kick. Still looking for that if you're available to help me with the GoFundMe account. Check out the links on the website. But I'm working on a ministry thing that I'm doing. It's called mobileministry.us. I found out you got to do multiple streams of stuff these days. You just can't do one. You got to keep busy. And for me, being a pirate, if I didn't keep busy, I'd be in trouble. So again, I'm sorry for not having this out three days ago. But I just physically beat. I couldn't do it. I couldn't muster up the energy to say anything. So I beg your forgiveness. And thank you for still being here with me. If you like what you heard, let me know. Or 
if I pissed you off to the highest level of passivity, let me know that too. In closing, think different. And I want to salute the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes. The ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. They have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, I see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. This is Ken Blanchard, your friend and brother from another mother. And just in case nobody's told you this this week, I love you. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. All right, this concludes another week of us being together. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me at blackmanwiththegun.com and all my sites on blanchardmediagroup.com. Until next week, shalom, baby. All right, here's my favorite joke to tell a little kid. How do you fix a broken pumpkin? With a pumpkin patch. <laughs>